Welcome back to Exquisitely Aligned, where we empower you to live the life that calls to you in the wee hours of the night. I love introducing you to people who are making a change for the better in the world, stepping into their exquisite alignment so that they can help each of us live a better experience in this beautiful and magical world. Today, I have with me Erica Smigielski. She is a pure generator. Let me explain a little what that means. She responds to life by generating energy for others. And she does sleep, wink, wink. By generating energy for others to find meaning in life. She hosts the Soulful Soundbites podcast and provides practical and relatable ways to nourish your soul, which you know is right up my alley. And that's why she's here. She's hold centered circles that unite women to nurture themselves through a personal awakening. And as a situational coach, mystic leader, and transmitter, she guides individuals to access and heal imbalances within their psyche. Discussions with Erica are moving and inspiring. So welcome, Erica. I am so happy to have you with me today. Oh, Gina, it's my pleasure. You're, I feel like you're a kindred spirit. So it's, I've been looking forward to this. Yes, I think we can both agree on that with so many of the words coming up that are um, synonymous to each of us and um, connect us on so many levels. So there's a bunch of different things that I'd like to talk to you about in no specific order at all. But let's just start with um, personal awakenings, because that is something uh, I love teaching or sharing with people back in the day on the yoga mat over 20 years ago, and now through my uh, transformational mentoring business. So if you want to, um, I'd rather say, instead of having a specific question, put it into words, what that looks like and feels like for your clients. And then maybe uh, for you, because I think each of us, I like to have people on the show because A, it gives another voice, another set of eyes, another perspective. And we've each lived lives, although I'm now in California like you are, I'm in the south of California. But, um, you know, I think it's always helpful to hear it in someone else's words because I think that allows each of us to have our own aha moments where we can go, oh, when Erica said that, it really struck a chord with me. So awakenings, what does that mean? Like mean, feel like you can choose whatever, however, whatever direction you want to go in. Yes. I'd love that. Cause I do feel like it's those personal stories. That's how I found you was reading about <laughs> your personal story and finding it so moving. And so um, I'll share a bit about mine because that might be when light bulbs go off for people as they can relate, or that's a part of mm -hmm. me that I remember. And um, those personal awakenings happened for me um, in my career. You know, there mm -hmm. was crossroads in my career where um, now in hindsight, I can see that they... Um, I was picking up parts of my being to make myself whole and I'm borrowing oh words that I know you use Gina and in shamanic terms, it's often called a power retrieval, but mm -hmm. here, let me explain what that means. Um, yeah. 
So I remember that I worked in the the financial technology space, actually my whole career. And Mm -hmm. I, uh, that's a very traditional industry (laughs) and very um, antiquated structures and a lot of masculinity in the way Mm -hmm. Things get done. And so I bended and folded to fit in that environment. And it was, uh, and I became actually quite um, professionally successful uh, in my career because of that. But Mm -hmm. there was one moment where I had made uh, an executive decision and was leading my team. And this one particular person, I had said, okay, we're going to do this. And he didn't like what I had said. So he went above me. And my manager, who I had a really good working relationship with, had um, undermined and and discounted Mm -hmm. my decision and went in a different direction. And Mm -hmm. I was livid. I mean, Gina, I saw red. I could (laughs) not get. And I literally was at my desk and I started crying and he came up and he like my manager came up and he checked in with me and I was like, I quit. Like that is not my genetic makeup. Like I'm a planner, so I'm not going to quit a job until I have something lined up. But in that moment I was done. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like, thankfully we had a good working relationship and he's like, how about you just take a little bit of time off of work and let's (laughs) think it through. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But it was, that was the very first moment where I was just like, what am I doing? This Mm -hmm. is not in alignment with who I am. I'm tired. I didn't even know who I was. I just Mm -hmm. remember repeating whatever I was told I was good at or whatever role Mm -hmm. I was put in. And so that was probably the first really big pivotal moment. Um, So, yeah, and and I guess that what came of that mm-hmm. is it was the first time I took some time away from work mm-hmm. to figure out who am I? Right. And I had to figure out what, wait, what do I like to do? <laughs> and, and yeah, go ahead. Sorry. That's okay. And that's so like, it seems so simple, but I was baffled. I didn't even know where to start. And thankfully I had the, you know, my, uh, manager at the time had given me a coach to work with. And, mm-hmm. you know, in hindsight, it was probably someone like you that helped me mm-hmm. figure out like, hold on, let's pump the brakes and let's just check in. Yeah. It's so often that, uh, I call it the one size fits all world paradigm. You fill in the blank that we live in a world that begs us to conform to a woman of a certain age. You know, Gina, why is your hair standing up? Why are you wearing red lipstick to the pickleball court? You know, like I know I was at the pickleball court with my husband and friends. I uh, wasn't able to play because of my shoulder recovery, but um, someone said to me, I love your hair and your red lipstick. Like if I wear red lipstick, I look too dressed. And I thought, is that like a dig? Like you're on a pickleball court, you know, or at the, you're watching pickleball with red lipstick, but you know, I knew she meant it politely, but you know, we are oftentimes asked to be things that we truly are not, whether it be as a female working in a very, what sounds like very male dominated, uh, rigid career, um, or, 
even a child, for instance, growing up with parents that are so opposite than them and mom and dad are like, no, no, you really need to be a cobalt glue glass. That's what we are. We are the cobalt blue glass family and you need to fit in right in here and be this hard and make this noise and, you know, walk like this, speak like this and think like this. And it happens from a young age and it can go on. For some people, luckily not you or I, but for some people, they can leave this earth still having that experience of having to fit into this box that says we are the Smith family, you know, and we do things and look a certain way. And so it's very interesting that you you say that. So I I say there are three different types of uh, people, I like to say who I've met over the years of doing the work that I do. And I, I name them different names because uh, it would be terrible to use somebody's names. But oftentimes I say, Nora is the nice girl. She got all straight A's. It, you know, she did whatever grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, siblings wanted. She went through high school, still really sweet. She graduates with all A's, goes on to whatever careers, right? Like you had done big, high paying for career that looks like what everybody's parent wants them to have, you know, you're, you can support yourself, you can feed yourself, your family and so forth. Um, and then sometimes she gets to a point where she realized she's not fulfilled. There's then Rachel, who I call the rebel, who's never fit in, always gone beyond, you know, whatever somebody says, they go to the exact opposite and they feel exhausted. They're not fulfilled either because they're just, tired of always kind of going swimming upstream, right? Or Fran, who was the nice girl, she was Nora, then she became a teenager, she became a rebel like Rachel, then she had to become nice because she started a career, got married, was a perfect daughter-in-law, perfect mom, mother of the year award, and then and then possibly gets divorced, or kids grow up, move out of the house or both, and she becomes the rebel again, and she's all exhausted too. So I think there are times that that happens. Does any, do you, any of those names resonate with who you were at that time of the story you just told? Nora, the nice girl, the re rebel, or the back and forth? Yes, so much so. And even, <laughs> you know, my whole life, even right now, I feel a little bit like uh, Rachel the rebel. <laughs> Um, but at that time in my life, when I was at that crossroads, yeah. I was probably, you know, bipolar of being, you know, the, the nice girl and, you know, the friendly one and accommodating. Yeah. Um, and, but I was lost and mm -hmm. I realized, yeah. wait, I'm, I'm not, you know, Fran, I'm not, Rachel. <laughs> I'm not you know, I, I, but I didn't even know who Erica was. And, right. So, you know, I did grow up where, you know, thankfully my parents were very open, but their biggest yeah. wish for me was to be successful and yeah. to be independent. And like now as a parent, I, I hope that for our daughters, but mm -hmm. I took that to heart where I was going to do whatever it took to be successful and independent and be able to provide for myself. And mm -hmm. um, so I went to the other end where I was doing all those things, but I forgot who I was. Yeah. And I think that, I think it happens so often that it's like the new normal, you know? And I think 
that's what I love about my calling. And I'm feeling like you might love about your calling is that it's fun to bring people to reconnect them back to who they were born to be and give a, what, what I like to do is give a voice to their soul because that's what I hear. I hear the whispers of their soul and, um, it's fun to watch them come alive or have that awakening like we started talking about. And um, so I'm glad, I mean, not even glad, I'm amazed and excited to know that you were connected with a coach through work. I mean, that's that's inc an incredible gift because that's not always the case. Um, and what were your aha moments during that time, during that let's say work or that guidance, that journey. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, you probably, I might be dating myself, but you can probably remember the, um, what colors your parachute book. Yes. Yeah. 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 So we started with that and I thought like, this is the hardest work I've ever done trying right. to answer those questions. Um, but the coach, you know, I, and you know, that's a really good question. I'm not really sure what other approaches he had used at the time. Yeah. But the biggest one for me um, was we had come up with a plan and um, oh, plan sounds so linear. It was more of a direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is the type of role where this fits my qualities and my tendencies and yeah. my desires of how I want yeah. to contribute and mm -hmm. my. Uh, and I have so much gratitude when I even think of this, but my manager helped create that role and mm. within the organization. And so then there was this agreement of that well, we're going to phase you out and, you know, hire a, a, somebody to fill and lead this great, amazing team I was leading so that I could do the work I really wanted. Yeah. And a lot of time was passing and I was okay. feeling like, Oh, once again, and I'm being, you know, um, it was assumed I was going to be the nice girl and just play along. And, keep doing this. and my coach had helped me where I gave him an ultimatum. So Good. again, it was another point where I was like, look, if we don't have someone hired by this date and I'm not yeah. in this role by this date, then I'm resigning. Yeah. And I remember when he gave it to me, he was like, if I take this to my, you know, superior. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, he's going to tell you to take a hike. And in yeah. that moment I was like, deflated. I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> courage. But, um, that for me was another, just picking up more parts and, and, yeah. you know, making myself whole and standing up for what mm -hmm. I knew to be true and that I right. really, really needed. Yeah. And it did work out. There was a happy ending and I did move into that role, which just opened up so many other doors for me that never would have happened had I not mm -hmm. been in that you know, I, I say crisis moment and, and, yeah. you know, talking through it, it didn't, doesn't feel so crisis, but in the moment I was like falling apart, the wheels were mm -hmm. off. My parts were yeah. just all over the place. Um, and I'm so grateful for that because who knows where I would be <laughs> or how bored you would have been. Right. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, I think, I think that, uh, I had someone recently asked me like, who's your ideal client? you know, how miserable are they? Like, what do you, you know, what's the transformation? And I was laughing. I was like, 
oh gosh, no, my clients are not miserable. They're happy people, but they know they want more, like something deeper, something richer, something more fulfilling. They're not, you know, uh, so you're, like you said, it was a crisis, but not like a, you know, it wasn't that you lost your house and you had no car and you had no bank account and no skill set, but it was a crisis, right? It was something that I believe acts like an invitation for us to say, okay, will I continue down this path? It's not really fulfilling to me. Or will I go ahead and do this huge, what I call sometimes an undertaking of getting to know who I am, who, like you said, who is Erica, right? And uh, so often I think that's what causes you know, uh, depression is not the word, but, you know, sadness or people feeling flat, yeah, um, disconnected. People, right, disconnected, um, lifeless, you know, it, lifeless in the sense of like, oh, I'm just tired. I don't feel fulfilled, you know, and I don't know that people walk around and say, I don't feel fulfilled because other people would be like, what do you mean? But you hear a lot of women and men say, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And I always think that's our sign that something's off kilter, something's off balance, something is not nourishing us. I know you use that word in, in the bio that I read, you know, nourishing us. I think when our soul is fulfilled and we're doing like the things you were talking about with um, what color is your parachute. That's not one of the things I use with clients. Not that it's not good. It is great, but I use some other tools, but you know, when, when our heart beats a little faster out of joy and excitement, when we spring up out of bed, when we can, um, Sometimes, I don't know, just feel like we have so much energy, we may not want to go to sleep, you know, not because we were using stimulants like caffeine, but just because we're so joyful and we wake up ready to go the next day. And if we're not in that place, I feel like that's a, you know, not a crisis, but that's a sign leading us to know that there is something not quite 100% for us, right? I mean, how would you describe it? I mean, there are other ways of of saying that, especially with the energy work that you offer. Um, I'd love to hear it in your words. Yes, it's, um, you say it so eloquently, I'm like, gosh, to follow that. Um, but I think for, uh, in my words, it's, it's sometimes feeling uh, robotic, that you're Perfect. you're just sort of moving through life and mm -hmm. you're but you're empty inside and so you're and you don't even some people don't even know it and as right. you started they go to their grave feeling like a robot like mm -hmm. you know I I did this in my life I got married I had a family and was a grandparent and you know that feels like success for them and meaningful mm -hmm. for them and mm -hmm. it is those are all things that yeah. hold so much um, importance and beauty in them. Um, and then there's others that they sort of need to experience that dark night of the soul and the hero's journey to really mm -hmm. shake things up and be like, wait, there is more, I have more to offer. <laughs> and, um, and so it's when that awakening happens or that light bulb mm -hmm. goes off that then it's like, Oh, this is what I need. And then you can start to find those imbalances 
mm-hmm. you can start to nourish them. And, you know, in some cases it might be to neutralize them by healing them. And right. so it's, you know, that's where, you know, back then the coach that I had, there's no way could do that work, but I felt like that was a stepping stone in my life's mm-hmm. work yeah. to get me closer. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, you know, I think it, it's, um, everybody's on their journey and at the point for them to be curious and have the courage to recognize like, wait a minute, this feels mechanical and it's not as fluid or meaningful for me. And then they begin Mm -hmm. become curious that they find someone like you or they find someone like me to help them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just, um, you know, I'm so, so grateful for that. I think for me, it happened in that, in a point in my life, um, where when our daughters were born, we have twin daughters and, um, I had questions and I have been a deep thinker most of my life. And I remember Mm -hmm. certain points asking questions and people must've thought it, including my mom had lost my head. Um, (laughs) but when my daughters came, I was, I had questions like, why did they come together? Why did they come as a pair? Why did they choose mm-hmm. us? One of them had a birthmark on her leg and I wanted to know like where that came from. And mm-hmm. I finally started to, the arrows started pointing me to a different type of um, uh, modality or work, which brought me into mm-hmm. the energy medicine. So it's, you know, and I feel like uh, oftentimes when someone feels like they're birthing some something or someone it's Mm -hmm. oftentimes that time in our lives where we access a source of creativity or a source of Mm -hmm. wisdom far greater Mm -hmm. than us where you Mm -hmm. feel so much more empowered to do things you never thought you would do or you're like wait a minute i this is i'm on this path but i now see there's this other path and it's just um I always love hearing people's stories, like what happened in their life once they became a parent or once they birthed mm-hmm. something creative out into mm-hmm. the world. Right. Like a business, uh, with a, you know, a, a charitable um, 501c3, you know, a charitable organization. Yes, it's it's fun because I think we're all creators in some way, shape or form and that you know, allowing ourselves to have time to be creative, whether it's going outside and um, planting a plant or putting it in a flower pot or making a flower arrangement with some of the flowers from your yard or some that you bought or painting or whatever it is, but being in that space because, you know, these devices that we all have or each have, and some people, multiple of them, you know, they sometimes can take us away from that creativity. I mean, there are things that are on there that are creative, but for a lot of people, that's not the ones that they're using, right? But the creativity, I think, feeds our soul in a way of us exploring who we are and and exploring what I like to say is discovering our gifts even more. Like I think of um, Celine Dion or Josh Groban are coming to my mind, uh, you know, them singing into a a hairbrush when they were little kids and then mom and dad saying, oh, sing at the dinner table. Oh, sing in front of our friends. Oh, you know, so moving from like singing in the shower to all of a sudden being on stage, right? And 
really when we play or experiment or create with our from our self, our gifts, um, I say they appreciate just like real estate appreciates. We appreciate them more. Others, when we share them, they appreciate them. And it just becomes this, you know, this uh, cyclical motion that just keeps growing bigger and bigger energetically. So when you um, worked with a coach and then had your daughters and all of that, like, how did you find what you're doing now? And why don't we start with what are you doing now? Since I know what you're doing now, why don't I let you explain? Sure. Um, so I, um, I continued to lead. So in short, I help people get out of the way of themselves mm -hmm. and in a business setting that looks like, um, I work with a handful of clients and leading their big, nasty projects that usually mm -hmm. are no one in the company wants to own because they're just really gnarly. But on the personal side, I have um, what I call a healing practice. And mm -hmm. that could be working one-on-one -on -one in my private client practice and mm -hmm. um, leaning into um, hypnotherapy and mm -hmm. uh, relying on a lot of earth-based wisdom or shamanic mm -hmm. practices or processes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also hold circles for women because sometimes just coming together in that community, which we just need so desperately right now to come back and reconnect with like-minded people traveling a similar path, um, mm -hmm. is just so important. So that is, um, something else that I'm doing. And, you know, I kind of bund bundle this up bundle is probably not the word I'm looking for. It, how I encapsulate the work is I just feel that, you know, as a collective or as humanity, mm -hmm. we've, we've, um, we've evolved away from living in harmony with mother earth. And we had to, because we were getting big and the population was getting big. We needed technology and industrialization to put more structure and process. And then it got to the point where there's so much structure, so much process that we're over consuming, we're over using, mm -hmm. we're, I mean, over everything that we forget who we are and we mm -hmm. forget how to, um, to, to, uh, gosh, I get so passionate about this. I just am going to bring myself yeah. back in. Give me a minute Yeah, yeah. to just have people. Um, it's almost like their masculinity and their, the energy within them has just taken off and sometimes created an imbalance. So just helping women and men reconnect with that feminine energy. So it can play together. It can create together. And so that's kind of how the work I do. I like to sum it up. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's, I've met some clients who came from a very male dominated industry and they felt like they, I don't want to say they dressed like a man, but they left behind the, the feminine parts of themselves and wore more structured things and more, um, you know, not a man's suit, but they didn't go in as uh, feminine as they would have liked to have dressed. And when you said earlier about leaving parts of ourselves behind or, or quieting sometimes is what I've seen. You know, I asked some clients to turn up the volume and they're like, what do you mean? My voice? No, I want you to be seen. I want you to be 
out there. I want people to be able to find you because of what energy you're, you're bringing. You're helping people like you are, right? Not that I've asked you to turn up your volume, but, um, you know, but being able to, um, to do that because there is a call. I think it was, uh, probably last fall, I did a podcast on the age of Aquarius, an invitation for all of us to step into a different time, which is what you're speaking about, whether we're female or male, but just to um, be that role. I had a someone recently who I was working with, the conversation was that um, the breadwinner became the woman in the, in the, in the household. And so that became a little bit of a masculine position versus like where they are now, which is transcending back to, you know, and that comes into play in our marriage then too, because we want to show up, you know, uh, I like to say sometimes to my husband, like dress like you're going on a date with me, like for the first time, you know, cause I'll come in. I'm like, Oh, how many colors do you have on? You know, <laughs> you know? Sometimes I wonder if he's uh, colorblind, which he's not. I've tested him, but no, he's, he's not. But, you know, and now he knows when we're going out, he's always dressed like he's going on a date with me, you know, and it's fun. And then sometimes I look and I'm like, well, I'm not that dressed. Hold on. I have to go change, you know. And of course, while I was wearing my immobilizer from my new uh, shoulder replacement, it wasn't that easy because I had only one hand to dress, which, which was my non-dominant. And I really couldn't wear many things because I still had to wear this immobilizer. So it ruined every outfit. But, you know, if we can, as women, be playful in that feminine energy like you're talking about, whether it be, you know, for me, it's wearing my false eyelashes and my red lipstick. And now I'm not asking everybody to do that, because if you do, then I have to change to a different color. So, you know, we can't have that. But, you know, it, it could be um, wearing uh, an essential oil that you are like, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm you know, going out somewhere lovely and we might just be in our office and some of us may work from home where we don't have uh, colleagues or bosses coming in and out of the door. But, you know, just to appear feeling feminine. And um, I know I like to sometimes ask clients to put clip a flower and put it on their desk, a fresh flower. And if you're not into killing a flower, because I know I've had that conversation with a few people too, you know, they got upset with me, but maybe having a potted plant on your desk or in nearby that you get to water and nourish and watch it grow and, and allow it to enjoy the sunshine. What are some things, Erica, that you like to do? Because I know you do a lot of them that you like to do for yourself or ask your clients to do to reconnect to that part of themselves, whether it's a woman or a man, because I believe we each have both, right? We each um, have both energies and we can use step into some at certain times. Like when my husband was, I was going to say dying, he's alive. But when my husband was deathly ill, I definitely had to be the man and step up and give him, give his dying body at the time, a voice, uh, a really loud voice so that the, the team that was originally caring with him, caring for him and let many mishaps happen, 
you know, could understand this isn't working. Something is totally wrong. And then finally, I got him to a different hospital, totally different team, which meant him moving, you know, uh, several states away and living there without us so that he could get the care. And I was able to get back to my like wearing essential oil. I started burning candles. I started like giving myself time to take a bath, you know, like crazy things. So I asked you a question. You notice how I answered it? That's um, that's a Gina-ism. But Erica, what about you? What about, um, that just popped into my head. I was like, oh my God, I remember that, you know, 14 years ago. Yes. Yeah, but, you know, what do you do for yourself or what did you, and what do you like to ask clients to do? Because I'm sure you have a bunch of good, great tips. Yes. You know, I'll, I'll start with this uh, visual of... Uh, everybody has that masculine and feminine energy and they're like two levers and some, you know, one could be the masculine could be turned up so high that the feminine is low and you just got to sort of turn up the feminine and then it gets to a place where they're both sort of neutral and they're supporting Mm -hmm. each other. And life requires sometimes that when your husband was really ill for you to provide which is a very masculine quality, you know, and it have a voice and, you know, yet you also found ways to turn up your feminine of soothing yourself and nurturing yourself (laughs) with a bath or a candle or flower. Um, So I think it's important to just, you know, maybe hold that visual in your head of having two levers, almost like two knobs on the stove of one will turn up the heat and can cause some boiling while the other one could be simmering. And it could mm-hmm. even be the divine, you know, I, I like to say the divine feminine, but it could be yeah. that feminine energy that could be really high where you're just taking care of everyone, mm-hmm. but you need some of that masculinity to come up where you have to create some boundaries and mm-hmm. some structure. So um, as much as um, as a collective, there's, you know, certainly need to turn up that feminine part of it. Um, it's different for each person. And so the way I'd like to offer to people um, is to go back to when you were a child, say eight or nine years old, and the things that you could do endlessly, like you just lost yourself, you lost track of any sense of time, you would have to have a parent yelling at you in order to stop doing that. And that's usually an indicator of one of your gifts. Right. Yeah. So if it's been a while since you've done those things, then bring that back into your life some way, somehow. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to kind of bring back that creativity and creativity. I mean, is a very feminine energy. You know, we are cre- the feminine energy creates. I mean, we create mm-hmm. humans and right. So um, creativity is a huge one and it could even just be drawing, you know, mm-hmm. it could be coloring in a, uh, you know, I mean, shoot, look at all the adult coloring books. Right, that are out there exactly. now. Mm-hmm. So it could just be as simple as that, or maybe it's learning a new skill. I mean, you could mm-hmm. go on YouTube. I t- the other, you know, last winter, I taught myself to knit and I was so excited. <laughs> and so, um, so those are some things that, um, I can offer people, like I like to offer my clients to reconnect mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. feminine part of mm-hmm. themselves. But most importantly, I invite them to get really quiet and still, which can be really, really hard. But when they do, 
usually something will come up for them. It's like mm-hmm. it unearths and that's what they need to turn up that whatever it is they're needing, if it's that more masculine energy or it's a more feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. And it reminds me, um, Lynn twist gave this, um, this visual of, um, a teaching, um, from the Baha'i, um, religion, which, um, if you can get past the religion part, it's a beautiful metaphor and I'll scoot back to show you, um, and I'll try to verbalize it for those that maybe don't have the video is if you think of, um, an eagle with two wings and Mm -hmm. over, and that's the bird of humanity. Mm -hmm. And over time, humanity required that the, the right wing or Mm -hmm. that, let's just say that represents the masculine energy that that Mm -hmm. was needing a lot more of. And it got so much that the wing was working really hard and it got great muscle and it was just flying so hard and, and up and down where the bird was just going in circles. Yeah. And now as we enter this transformational time where we need some more of that feminine energy to come in so that then the bird can flow effortlessly and take right. off and soar. And yes. so I just think that's such a beautiful metaphor of, and an invitation. Yeah. For people to find what that means for them. Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like run it past there, you know, clo- whether you close your eyes and sit with that visual or you open your eyes and sit outside and, you know, find we have a great yard where I get to see all different types of birds, hawks, hummingbirds, etc. Some that I don't know their names, you know, but um that is a, a, I'm a visual person. So I love that. And, you know, there's nothing worse than going around in circles and working harder than, in my opinion, we need to. And I think that there are times, whether it be in our career, in our uh, education, maybe, uh, maybe in our marriage, in our parenting, wherever you are in life, maybe it's all at the same time in every single sector of your life, but that we're working too hard. And you brought up earlier and I forgot to write it down, didn't I? So let me think about it. It was uh, too much feminine energy where you were over helping so many people and that you had to use a little bit of masculine to, you know, have a boundary because that's a people pleaser. And there are times in our lives that we may have been asked by a spouse uh whether it be a male or whether you're male or female, right? You may have been in a marriage where you were married to a lime, like I like to call a limelight lover, where you were behind the scenes, shining the light on them the whole time. You know, they were always in the limelight, whether they demanded that or you just put them there and you stood behind them. Again, this could be a female with a male in front or male with a female in front. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Or even, um, two men in a, in a relationship, two women, and it doesn't matter. It's not, uh, I'm not saying one, one over the other, but when we are in that place, we give up so much of ourselves and are usually exhausted, right? Out of balance again, like you were talking about that wing, that left wing working so hard that it's a feeling like it's needs a month worth of massage, you know, a trip to 
Tahiti and, uh, you know, maybe a glass of Prosecco. No, I'm teasing, but <laughs> it is, it, that's a great, great visual. So thank you for sharing that because I think it can give people, you know, I think we started with awakenings, right? So I think one of the awakenings is having, whether it be a vision or a knowing or a inner knowing, intuitive knowing, whatever you want to call it, that we are not where we want to be, or we don't feel like we want to feel, or we don't, we're not enjoying, you know, whatever is going on. Like you were talking about the robot, right? That was so empty. That was another great visual because it's like, uh, I think of the, the Duracell rabbit, right? It's still hitting the little thing, and, but it's still going in the same direction at the same speed. And, um, and it'll continue down that path like a robot and there's nothing fulfilling. So the awakenings of, like you said, the eight to nine year old, I love that. I usually don't give an age. I usually just ask, you know, can you think of a point, like, let's go through, maybe you were in kindergarten here or whatever, <clears throat> but I do believe that those young times are, if you are a parent of a young child or a grandparent, aunt, uncle, or just get to work with children of those ages, it's always great to acknowledge with them, to them, hey, Kai, my son, you love airplanes. You are fascinated by transportation. You love trains, airplanes, cars. And, you know, now he is uh, looking to those careers as he's getting ready to graduate after next year. And he's already started working in that industry because it was so evident that that was his like, you know, like, okay, Kai, he would be landing airplanes in the house on the, uh, the, uh, not a PA system, but the intercom system in the house, you know, flight <laughs> such and such is landing. And I'd be on a business call. Like, they're like, are you at the airport? Uh, no, that's my five-year-old. Can you give me a moment? Hey, thank you for playing quietly. You know, he was a little older than five, but thank you for playing quietly in your bedroom. But you cannot turn on the intercom and be making announcements through the entire house, you know. And of course, he had turned up the volume so that everybody could hear what flight was coming in. But, you know, when we have that ability to acknowledge the child, whether it's dancing or you know, being that creative and, and exploring that even more. I'll give you one short story. Many, many years ago, when I was teaching on the mat, I had, I always love to ask questions and tell us your first name and the question. And I forgot how I worded the question, but the woman said, when I was about eight or nine, I wanted to ice skate and my family wasn't able to afford that. Um, but now that I'm an adult, I gave myself ice skating lessons and I'm continuing. And she was, I don't know, three, four years into it and like a really great skater. So, you know, there's, it's never too late to do whatever that is. And you probably have more financial freedom now and can make the time. And I think I always say there's about 80% of stuff that we do that we probably don't have to do. Right. I mean, you, your daughters are younger than mine. So you you have to do more things to help them at this point where I'm getting to 
like let go, but it, even asking the family for help, can you set the table so that I have more free time to, I don't know what, right? But um, yeah, that's, I love that, the bird. I'm definitely gonna make sure I use that again. There was something else I wanted to talk to you about. I just have to look at my notes. Um, podcasting. So for me, I think I told you when we met very briefly, so I'll share it. For me, I was told by many people at different times when I was on the East Coast that I should have a podcast. It went in literally one year and out the other. As you know, my hair is super short, so it's easy to do. But it went through because I had no desire. It was like telling me I should um, get on the roof and clean the gutters. I have no desire to get on the ladder that high because I'm afraid I'd fall. And it, you know, I'd rather pay somebody to do that. So it wasn't until I was here in California that someone said, you should have a podcast. I've done all my homework and I'm going to start mine. You know, why don't we team up? We can um, trade secrets, you know, or trade successes, if you will. So how did it come about for you? Because I am finding I'm having so much fun because I get to meet people like you, Erica. And we I feel like we probably wouldn't have met, even though we both live in California, we're not around the corner from each other. And, um, you know, how did that unfold for you? Was it something where you were like, oh, yeah, the first time someone suggested it, yeah, I want to do that? Or was it like me years later, you're like, Oh, okay. Yes, it was, you know, first I, I, um, I love your story of how your podcast came about because <laughs> it just emphasizes that sometimes we get messages when we're not quite ready to receive right. them. And when the message is meant to be received, <laughs> it appears again. It's like your guardian angels or your spirit guides or mm -hmm. life or whatever term you want to give that will keep knocking at your door until <laughs> you hear it. So I applaud you for, uh, for receiving it and hearing it and doing it because I would have never found you. That's right. We wouldn't be here today. Yes. Yes. So for me, this, the, um, the way it came about is I, um, had, um, what I coined from one of my, um, teachers is this reference of energetic milk bottles okay. and, what I, yeah. Yes. So it, you know, milk bottles, like back in the day when, you know, they would, the milk truck would come and drop off a milk bottle at your doorstep and then you would go and get it when you needed and you had your milk. So the, the symbol behind this is I was making social posts on my mm -hmm. platforms of energetic milk bottles where mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to grow my likes and followers and you mm -hmm. know, they were just meant to be out there. So whoever needed it would receive it when it was there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, then I realized I, how much I re-remembered my love for writing. Mm. And, uh, like, Oh, okay. Maybe this is now the time to write a book. Mm -hmm. And so I went down that path of starting mm -hmm. to write a book. And then I thought, wait a minute, there's things I need to talk about. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite mm -hmm. ready to write this book because I need to. I need to talk about them. I need to talk with others yeah. about. Them. And so explore then explore them. Yeah, yeah. Like exploring, like yeah, playing with them. Yes, yes. Yeah. So there was things I just wanted to play with, and 
Um, and so that's how, that's how the, my podcast was birthed was the need to just talk. And at first, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought it was just, um, me talking, uh, with, I I used to joke and say the voices in my head, but I realized they were my guides working with me. (laughs) And I just wanted to talk about them in a way that wasn't frightening and it Mm -hmm. felt practical and people could be like, Oh, okay, that's a way I can bridge my inner world and my outer world. And then it evolved into, you know, something similar to what I thought would be like you of having guests come on and share their stories. Mm -hmm. It's kind of morphed into staying on that practical way of just offering some practical guidance Mm -hmm. for people that, so it doesn't feel so scary and it feels relatable and inviting. And if that's all they need, fantastic. And if they want more, then they'll meet people by listening to my podcast or they will perhaps want to work with me. But either way, it's just another way to get the message out. Well, and it's just adding, you know, I love it because it's adding a voice and a voice with goodness in it, you know, uh, sweetness, um, creativity, like you were talking about before. And the other thing I love is that um, now I got to remember where I wrote it, but sound bites use the word. So short, easily digested, something you could ponder on, something you can meditate on, you know, um, and it's so needed because people are the four letter word that I don't like. I tell my kids they're not allowed to say busy, um, that you're giving them something they can use quickly in, um, I would say in a ride to the grocery store and back, you know, um, depending on where they live. Right. But, uh, so that's fantastic. So thank you for, for doing that because I do believe when we were able to step into that, which I don't know if it was like, Oh yeah, sure. I'll just do that. Or if you were a little, I like to say I was intimidated and intrigued, like, uh, you know, like you're, listening to both sides of the story in your head. Like you don't know how to do that, but this would be fun. You like microphones. You love teaching, you know, you like talking to people. Oh, but how are you going to get that out there? How do you get on Apple? How do you get on? Like, and then what's after spots, Spotify. And what does that one mean? And how much does this, right? How much time yes. is it going to take? But yes. um, it reminds <laughs> me of what you had said of it had that level of excitement that when I went to bed, I was excited about it and I woke up excited about it. And mm-hmm. then I realized that um, it, the excitement then sometimes unearthed un, unresolved things like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm putting myself out there. That means more <laughs> people have a chance to judge me or criticize right. me. And so I had to revisit that relationship. I've, you know, mm-hmm. will go to my grave working on. Um, and it also then helped me realize like, wait, there's, you know, no one's, you know, unless I'm having a conversation, there's no yeah. one verbalizing any, you know, criticism. And so I can play, I can be creative. Right. So that's really what my podcast has ended up being for me is mm-hmm. a, a sandbox for me to play yeah. and build things and then shake that up and build something else. And um, so I've, I've found it to be inviting now instead of frightening. <laughs> yeah, no. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up for me, vulnerability, because it is when we're put ourselves out there, right? So I used to say to people, I know I have a good haircut. 
when I have some people come to me and sit like a stranger, like at the pickleball court, oh, I love your hair and your red lipstick, you know? And I was like, okay. And I know I have a good haircut when I get people doing like the stink eye, if you want to call it, like, what is that about? Or does she really think she should wear her hair that way? Or, you know, so I, I love because for me, I know I have a good haircut essentially when I get reactions of love or hate. And so I think with the podcast, it's the same thing, just like with the social media posts. Some people are going to love what you have to say because it's coming from, in my opinion, Erica, we, we only met recently, but I think I can say it's coming from your place of love from your place of goodness, from your place of inspiration to help others have a better day, a better life, a, a, a better career, a better health. You know, I mean, it, it, it just spirals on, right? What your one, two sentences and your beautiful smile then become like, um, like vitamins, you know, nurturing the, whoever it is because they're like, yeah, I want to hear more from her. But it's the same with the podcast. That um, and I, I think that's why I have a, a passion for interviewing other podcasters because it's like we both put ourselves out there, right? And it's it's something I want to encourage those of you who are listening to, to consider. And if it's not a podcast, what might it be? Might it be? Um, a new way of appearing. I love doing color analysis for people because sometimes they're wearing colors that aren't letting them glow where I like to see people glow with, with whatever they're wearing. And so how is it that you can, based on what Erica and I are talking about today, put yourself out there, but doing it with, like you said earlier, what you were passionate about when you were eight to nine years old, give or take a year or two, right? So something that your parents had to beg you to leave your room or leave the, you know, the, the yard to come in and eat dinner and wash up and go to bed. You know, was it that you were drawing on the sidewalk and now you should be painting? Was it writing? Like, were you always in a book or were you, whatever that is. I mean, if you were skateboarding and now you're 82, I don't know that you want to be skateboarding, but there must be something else we can give you, right? You know, bicycling maybe, you know? But um, I, so that kind of all comes full circle, doesn't it? But I love the fact that you put yourself out there and we do have to talk afterwards regarding a book because I may have something wink wink for you um, that you might find fascinating um, because you do enjoy writing. And then I may need to hire you because writing is not always my forte. No, <laughs> I love speaking and then having it uh, put into uh, to put, what do you call when you put it through the AI system to okay. oh. Now write it up for me. And could you make it sound better? No, you know, yes, that, doesn't, that doesn't quite happen. But, you know, at least you can get your transcripts and you're like, oh, yeah, that sounded good. Because sometimes when I sit to write, it doesn't sound so um, brilliant. But anyway, um, I am. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is what are some practical tips and suggestions to help people come to, we're going to talk about a meditative place because 
I've got my cards out and I'll shuffle quietly under the table because it takes me a while to get them shuffled. I'm not a good, I'll never be hired in Vegas, but what <laughs> if you want to give one or more, I'm going to leave that open to you because that's something that I think would really allow them to figure out, like get that vision of like you saying, I realize, yeah, I do like to write. I want to do that again. Yes. Oh gosh, this is so good. And I love this question because meditation can feel, as you said, like defined in a box, like you need to sit and in a certain position on your yoga mat and, (laughs) you know, count your breath and a box breath and all of that. Um, but it doesn't need to be, and it can be, so this is where you can exercise your creativity and meditation can be that, you know, um, time that you're in the shower and there's some Mm -hmm. truth behind this, but when Mm -hmm. you're doing something that's sort of monotonous, exactly that you fall into that state where some of your brightest ideas come to you and (laughs) yes, and it could be even be washing dishes, you know, Mm -hmm. If you're like mm-hmm. me, you're washing, you're, oh, I feel like I'm always washing dishes. And sometimes when I'm doing it, then I'm like, oh, this comes up. Or it could be if you're out on a walk and right. you're just out in nature and maybe nature for you is along a sidewalk in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even just starting a walk, if there's something that's really creating a rub for you is just <laughs> to hold that inquiry. Like, what am I needing to see below this rub and just walk? And just let mother nature show you something, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, or or it could be, you know, the listening to a drum beat, like the shamanic drum is known for that beat that reminds you of what it's like in the womb, listening to your mother's heartbeat. And it gets Mm -hmm. you in that theta state, which is similar to that dream state where then you're just open and porous to receive. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the last thing I'll offer, because this is something I just realized, wow, maybe I need to write a blog on this, but um, <laughs> is the, um, oh, shoot, the idea is drifting. My caboose has left me. <laughs> um, one second. Yeah. You know what? It's just going to have to send its way down the meditation. You know what? It'll come when it comes, but well, I was going to say, we still have time together. So when it comes, you just, you know, put your finger up. So I know, and I'll stop speaking and you, you bring it back. Cause I've had that happen. But, um, I agree with you with being outside moving for me, it's always in the shower. I really need to. And I have at times brought my phone and set it on the ledge so that I could do voice to text, you know, because I'll have some brilliant ideas of whatever it might be, copy uh, somebody who I should have on the show or whatever it is. And uh, I always say to my husband, just put it out there. Go. Yes, I thought of it. And it is um, dreams. And stay with me for a second. But dreams can be a form of meditation in the sense that when you're asleep, your really busy intellectual mind can rest Mm -hmm. for you to be sort of a a channel or a hollow bone for information to come through. And so I invite people to, if you do dream and you do remember them, to write them down. And mm-hmm. even if it's in the middle of the night, it could be a voice text to yourself and just whispering yes. it there. And then come back to it the next day and realizing that 
sometimes in that meditative, restful state, your guardian angels, your spirit guides will communicate with you through symbols. So when you look at your dream and you're like, well, that's weird, a little chicken in this hutch thing. And you can think about, well, what am I like? What in my life feels like a spring chicken that might mm-hmm. need some attention? And so I think of your dreams being a form of a meditative practice. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love it. And I'm see how quickly it came back. <laughs> yes. yes. I love that. Yes. That's awesome. Well, thank you. And, uh, just so you know, all of her information will be below. But if you want to share with us some uh, ways we can get in touch with you. Oh, thank you for asking. Um, well, I'm on all the social platforms on Instagram is probably the one I would suggest, which is um, at Spark Path. And uh, you can learn more just about the work that I do or how to even engage with me to have the initial conversation just to explore the path you've been taking and maybe what you're curious about. And you can find that on my website, which is sparkpathhealing.com. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, I always love to pull a card. So I've shuffled under the table and I'm just going to ask you to tell me to stop and I'll pull it. So um, are you ready? I guess I'm ready and stop soul sisters. Okay. So it says you are a brilliant, beautiful soul with loving friends. And then there are three questions you can either answer one, two, or all three. How would you dis- uh, how would they describe you? How do you describe yourself? Cause it's not always the same. Is there a difference between the two. Oh my goodness. This is a good one. Um, so I'd probably say I will touch on all three yes. at surface level. So I, I've been told that um, I'm a very grounded, intuitive person. Mm-hmm. And um, that can just really hold the space for people to feel welcome and free to mm-hmm. communicate, to talk. Mm-hmm. I would describe myself um, as a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> um, that, you know, can, you know, a, with a, a super hyperactive mind that oftentimes get, gets in the way of me settling into that heart space that mm-hmm. has served me so well. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I feel like my qualities are, um, you know, the my genius is that planning and being in that intellect and, mm-hmm. you know, programming level. But my magic is that, mm-hmm. you know, dropping in without an agenda and just dropping into that heart space and that intuitive knowing. Oh, that's beautiful. And being able to do both is, um, again, that awakening of knowing who you are. And that is a gift that you give so generously to each and all of us. And um, so that I want to say thank you. And if I can, for just a second, um, let each of you know that you are invited to Purpose, Possibilities, and Prosecco, a two-hour private transformation like no other. And I'll put the link for that down below. It is something we've had a lot of fun with. It combines face reading with mentoring, and it gets you a 
quick boost into your purpose. So if you ever feel like you would like to get a little more clarity on your life's purpose and have that awakening as we spoke about earlier, please let me know. But Erica, it has been so delightful to have you with me today. So glad we connected via podcasting. And when you are in the Orange County area, you will have to swing by and say hello. Right now we have absolutely no sunshine, so I may have to come up to your part of the world soon. <laughs> oh, Gina, I loved our conversation and I just love your energy. You have so much thank to offer. You. So thank you for having me. Likewise. Thank you. 